Hi, Donnie. Hi. Welcome to the Back Community Podcast. Thank you. It's really exciting to get to speak to you in this format because as we were saying before we started recording, we actually haven't had the pleasure of meeting in person yet. Yeah, this, uh, this pandemic has definitely thrown things for a loop, uh, but thank God for things like Zoom and video conferencing and Brave Together where we can see each other and, and chat. I know, right? This will have to serve as a good halfway point in the meantime, but hopefully do get to meet you one day when this is all over, as great as Brave Together is. So you're actually the very first Brave team member ever to appear on the podcast, as well as the third or fourth interview guest ever. So that's pretty exciting. And just so you're aware, I'm of course no Joe Rogan at interviewing, but we learn by doing, right? Yeah, I think you'll do great. I have confidence in you. So Donnie, why don't we begin by having you tell the audience a little bit about yourself. You can tell us about your background, what you studied in school, if you want. I know you've been in the advertising and marketing industry for over 20 years now, so maybe give the listeners some background insight on that too, like a little highlight reel of your life and career before joining Great. Sure. Thanks, Jenny. Will do. Uh, so I grew up in West Hartford, Connecticut. That's where I was born and raised. And then I went to college at the University of Vermont, obviously in, in Vermont. And I graduated there in 2000. And it was right as the you know dot-com bubble was um, starting to fall apart. And I went to go work for, for News Corp. So that's Rupert Murdoch's company and specifically a division called News America Marketing. And at that time, uh, it, it was just the perfect job because it was very much suit and tie and I felt very professional going into Manhattan every day into you know a big building on 6th Avenue to the 47th floor and um, it felt very professional but what specifically I was doing there was focusing on the, the CPG industry which is consumer packaged goods and so my clients were Kraft and Unilever and Procter and Gamble wow. and it was all in the media world and, and selling every you know a, a little bit online but online wasn't really where it was uh, back then today and so it was inserts into newspapers and out of home advertising and I ended up spending 10 years of my career there kind of, you know, growing you know, through the, the, the corporate ladder, which was great. And I always felt that CPG advertising was almost like one of like the core marketing things. That's what I learned about in, in college was, you know, I was a marketing major and it was, there was all the case studies and examples or many of them were about CPGs, about these biggest brands in America and how they really resonate to consumers. And so that's kind of my first uh, segue into marketing and into the sales role. Wow. And then from 2010 to 2019 or so, uh, just a, a, skew, a, a list of different you know ad tech companies. One company called AdKeeper, where the idea was to save ads for later, almost like a Pinterest for for ads. But we realized you know consumers really don't want to save ads for later. Uh, a company called This Moment, where we were creating you know really great branded YouTube channels for brands. And then uh, most recently, a company called uh, Magnetic, which was bought by Acuity Ads. And that was in the programmatic and the you know, DSP world. And we were focusing, at least at Magnetic, on something called search retargeting, where if somebody searches for something, you could then retarget them with ads. And you know, it was a great area to learn um, digital advertising and programmatic advertising. 
but I also saw some of the issues that go on in that space. And I'm not, you know, saying anything that, you know, anybody in marketing doesn't know, but there's a lot of fraud. There's not a lot of transparency into where the media is being spent or, or all of the different middlemen. Right. And re consumers aren't really part of that equation. Mm -hmm. And so those are some of the issues that I, I started seeing. And then around, you know, kind of 2016 into 2017, you know, Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies were all the buzz in the office. Yeah. And it was really, I think it was seeing Brendan Eich on, a YouTube, on YouTube talking about Brave was the first time I said, oh my God, this thing that everybody's talking about in this office is Bitcoin thing and this cryptocurrency has, uh, you know, a, a, an effect or could have an effect on advertising and digital marketing. And that's when I got really interested in this space. And I went to a, a conference. It was a company called ClickZ, and they were doing like a one-day blockchain and advertising uh, day. Yeah. And the keynote speaker of the day was a gentleman by the name of Jeremy Epstein. And Jeremy is an incredible speaker up on stage and has spoken at you know, Microsoft and all over the world. And I was almost like a groupie uh, kind of rushing the stage at the end of his uh, session. And I said, you know, that was fascinating. I had no idea that blockchain could uh, basically help digital advertising so much. How does someone like me get involved? Yeah. And for a good year or so, I became a, a mentee in, in just educating myself on this technology and all of the companies in the space. All, so all the way to the point where, you know, Jeremy had a company in that, which I joined almost, you know, as on the side called Never Stop Marketing. It's yeah. at neverstopmarketing.com. And you can download a landscape that we created that has all the logos of all the different companies there. And I started meeting with all the different CEOs and evaluating um, what all the companies do. And I ended up kind of putting it into five buckets and in the five buckets in which I alluded to a moment ago was, all right, so these 200, 300 companies that are using blockchain for advertising, what exactly are they trying to solve for? What are the issues that are going on? And these five things would be, you know, number one was removing the $42 billion of, of yearly fraud. And, you know, that number is, is, is much bigger now. Um, and blockchain has a way of making sure that a, a real impression gets served to a real human and we don't have to go into DLT or you know, distributed ledger technology, but it allows you to basically confirm that these impressions are happening. And that segues into number two, which is providing transparency into the media supply chain. And you know, like there's studies that show that 35% of dollars actually go to the publishers. So where are the other you know, 70% or 65% going? And yeah. it's going to a lot of middlemen. And you know, blockchain has a way of kind of shining a light on that opaque supply chain. Number three is mm -hmm. helping out with billing and reconciliation. So at the end of the month, there are thousands of people at ad agencies trying to understand, you know, how much should they pay to each publisher and blockchain can help with that. And number four, which is really something that's even taken a bigger life of its own is privacy. Consumers do not want to be tracked. And number five is rewarding those consumers for either their attention or their data or whatever it may be. And so we organized all the companies and, and I'll kind of get to the more of the end and more relevant part of the story. There, there was one company that just kind of stood above the rest and sorry to the other companies, but I do have a heart in my place for Brave. And Brave is just that company. It's like, okay, we can do all of these five things. And I started a you know, relationship with Luke Mulks 
and you know Luke reached out and said, "Hey, we're going to start expanding the sales team. You know, any good anybody that would be good for a head of sales role? Wink, wink." And I was like, "Put me in, coach. This is perfect for me. You know, 20 years of ad sales experience, understanding this blockchain area, Brave being the number one company in the space." And I joined just about a year ago, and it's been awesome. Wow. Thank you for that introduction, Donnie. There is so much to unpack here. Where to start? So you first saw an interview with Brendan, who is Brave's co-founder and CEO on YouTube, and that's how you first came across Brave. Yeah. And, and this probably relates to anybody that's into crypto uh, on the phone. So as Bitcoin was going from like four and $5,000 up to $20,000, you know, that, that first time, I guess it was 2017, YouTube was just an amazing place to learn about different altcoins. And, you know, I'd made a little bit of money on Bitcoin. I'm like, oh, let's just, you know, do it all again. And let's put some money <laughs> on uh, Tron and OMG and like all these like random altcoins. But I didn't want to be like so random about it. I wanted to spend the time learning about, yeah. you know, the top, you know, 100 companies on coin market cap. And YouTube just became a really great place to do that because there were interviews with the CEOs and the yeah. founding members. And then there was a, a lot of analysis that was being done. Yeah. Um, and, and Brendan just happened to be one of those CEOs that was on YouTube talking about all this stuff. And so, you know, that, that, yeah, that was how I found it. You know, I think a lot of people end up finding Brave in a similar way. And it's cool that you took the extra step to reach out and then you got in touch with Luke. I actually forgot about this until now, but mm. how you first came into my consciousness was you had met with Luke and then we were going to have you do a back community AMA on Reddit back when you were still at Never Stop Marketing before yeah. you joined Brave. Then shortly thereafter, you joined the team. So there was no more need and, and now you're here. But, That's exactly um, right. Yeah. And Never Stop Marketing, are you still working with them in some capacity? It's a good question. So, you know, ironically, you never stop marketing. And so you never <laughs> stop doing it. And, and I think what's, what's interesting about, you know, kind of brave aside for a second, the blockchain and advertising space is that three years ago, there was a ton of hype and there was a ton of conversations about how this, you know, new technology um, is going to disintermediate everybody and it's going to fix all the problems and people had a lot of hope for it. And the other H word is hype. And there was a lot of mm -hmm. Hype, and here we are uh, three years later, and I don't think that we are where people thought we would be. Um, I, you know, in my humble opinion, I think it's going to take a, another, you know, few years for like those five things that I mentioned, especially with like programmatic advertising, yes. um, to remove the fraud, the supply chain transparency. It's going to take some time, um, and so you know, where Never Stop Marketing is, is you know, continuing to write courses, continuing to write articles, continuing to put out research. I got a great team that, that, that helps me a lot in that area. Um, but I will say that, you know, because it's going to take time, mm -hmm. uh, we're not like pushing in the same exact manner we were, you know, two years ago, as far as the content goes. Yeah. But when this whole world comes around and people really see the light that this technology helps, you know, we'll be there at, at the perfect time to, you know, kind of take advantage of that moment and, and have a lot of uh, resources for people. Nice. It's a noble mission. Okay, we're going to skip ahead a little bit because we have an hour. So we need to get into the questions. We put out an announcement in the community about a week ago to let people know that you would be joining us here on the podcast today. And of course, we asked folks to submit questions, as you know. 
And well, it turned out you're very popular because we received quite a few questions and I think it'll probably take up quite a bit of time to answer them. So let's jump right in. Great. What was the biggest challenge for you crossing over from a more traditional marketing background to now doing what you're doing here at Brave? Yeah, that's a good question. So, you know, the, the challenge is that we're, we're, we're reinventing not only the internet with the browser, but we're also reinventing online advertising. And there's, there's a dichotomy going on in our industry right now where a lot of marketers know that there's GDPR in Europe, there's CCPA in California, there's tons of new regulation that's coming across the entire US. They understand that consumers do not want to be tracked. They want their privacy. They want to know that when they use the internet, um, every single one of their searches and their browsing and their purchases aren't going to be broadcast you know, to a hundred different ad tech companies. So they, 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 everybody, like all the marketers know that and they respect that. But then on the other side of the coin, they're like, oh, let's use, you know, Google analytics to track everything. And I'm going to give you this pixel and this tracker and this DCM tag, which is double click campaign manager. And they want to track, 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 so they can see performance. And it's a very hard hump to cross over to say, I know we want to respect consumers' privacy, um, yeah. but but like we we need to do it in a different way. And so what Brave has is what we've built is a privacy-preserving way to do attribution of conversions that happen. So Jenny sees ad or Jenny clicks on ad, and does she actually buy? We can record all of those things, but we don't know it's Jenny. We just know that a user did those actions. And what happens is they want to see it all in Google Analytics and track it with their pixel. And mm -hmm. that's the biggest challenge, that they're not quite comfortable knowing that they can do it um, you know, directly with Brave. And yeah. we use you know, a combination of cryptography and zero-knowledge proof and blind tokens, and it's all open-source code. Like They can see exactly how we're confirming those um, conversions. Yes. But, but they're still not comfortable. They're still kind of a tie to the old way, or not so old way, but the current way of Google Analytics, and we need to move them over. Now we can do some cool things like doing a server-to-server -server pingback where we can take a lot of our data and put it into Google Analytics so it's all in one dashboard, mm -hmm. but it's still not going to be that, that tracker, that pixel. So that's the biggest hurdle, the biggest challenge that, that we're faced with right now, but we're doing great. I mean, there's, you know, revenue is growing through the roof, and so um, you know, enough marketers are, are moving over. It's just taking some marketers more, it'll take them more time to, to make that shift. Yeah. Those are the kinds of early, never did this before apprehensions you would expect. So on a perhaps related note, undercover dudes would like to know, does the cryptocurrency aspect of Bat and Brave ever deter new advertisers or, you know, do the crypto and blockchain related buzzwords sort of make them a little bit nervous? Yeah. So I'm going to talk on both sides of my mouth. So it's like when you're talking to crypto advertisers, so eToro, Crypto.com, BlockFi, Nexo, like, you know, all of our, our great advertisers, if you use the Brave, you, you see their ads all the time. Um, you know, they're obviously in the blockchain and crypto world. And yeah. so, you know, they're, they, some of them pay for their advertising in BAT. They're supportive of BAT. They're yeah. always asking us about interesting things that we can do with BAT. They see the Gemini and the Binance trading widget on the homepage, and they may want to do something similar to that. Um, and so the cryptocurrency is, is excellent in that regard. Mm -hmm. uh, 
on the complete flip side of that, if you talk to, you know, some of the more mainstream fortune 500 marketers, you know, it can be a little bit confusing and some of them may associate, you know, cryptocurrency with, you know, scams and, Oh, I just saw on Twitter that somebody was hacked and they were trying to get Bitcoin is, you know, Bitcoin's (laughs) a scam. And it's like, no, 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 no. They, they were using Bitcoin because it was so easy to transfer money. It was Twitter that was hacked. Bitcoin wasn't hacked. You got to like explain that. Um, and sometimes like it's just not worth the explanation. And so it's better to talk about the fact that um, we're able to reach the unreachable audience, uh, mm-hmm. meaning that you know, 80% of our users are cord cutters. Uh, only 50% of them use Facebook. Um, if they're a brave user, 75% of their time is, is on brave itself. And what does that mean from an advertising perspective? It means that they're not seeing programmatic ads. They're not seeing YouTube ads because, you know, the browser skips the YouTube ads and they're not seeing cable ads, you know, sports is kind of in and out. So they're not seeing the, the volume of sports that they're used to seeing. They're not commuting to, you know, the big cities, the New York, the San Francisco's and seeing all the out of home billboards. Mm-hmm. But my point is, this audience is very, very hard to reach. They're not seeing advertising, not just digital advertising, but advertising, period, like they used to. Um, And so that's the story that we're telling to more mainstream marketers and not leading with like bad or cryptocurrencies. Yeah, I think that's a smart thing to lead with. The idea of showing advertisers that they can reach these segments of the population that may have been lost to them for quite some time by this point. On a maybe related note to the last question, have there been any reactions from brands or advertisers that really surprised you or that really stand out in your memory? Um, that's a great question <laughs> you're making. You're, um, you're making me think. I think, I think some of the times you, know, you get on the call with marketers and you have the champion. And the champion, you know, totally sees the light and maybe they're a brave user themselves. And then they take it back to, you know, the cohort, the, you know, the team, or maybe it's their client mm-hmm. and they come back and I won't name a specific advertiser, but I am thinking of one and they come back and they're like, you know what, we're going to pass for now. And you're like, wait a second. I don't understand. Like you wanted to test the newest thing. You wanted to, um, like, you, you understand why this is a value proposition. We have the right audience. Like, everything, it checked all the marks in the meeting. Yeah. You know, what is it? And, you know, and you just don't know. And maybe it's the, uh, you know, blockchain or cryptocurrency part of it, or maybe it's the Google Analytics thing that I was explaining. Like, you don't, you don't know what it is, but, you know, you don't, you don't win them all. But then you get on the next phone call. And it's someone who is, you know, a brave lover and they, you know, have a five person marketing team and they come on with, you know, a big spend and it, and it makes it all better. But yeah, there, there are surprising ones out there where you're just like, hmm, I didn't, I didn't get it. it. It went so well. Yeah. You know, I think sometimes it's just the fear of the unknown and of trying something so new. Not everybody wants to be or cares to be a first mover. Some people want to see the system be tried and true before they get their feet wet. So it makes sense. But I also know that there have been a number of advertisers and brands who have come back around in time. So, you know, maybe you meet with them and ultimately they've decided to pass, but then they circle back in a few months because maybe they've had a chance to read some of the case studies we've published by this point, or maybe they've heard an advertiser success story or two or three, because by now there are quite a few. And they're like, we're ready to try this now. 
and we can go into more depth on success stories and case studies a little bit later, but. I, I completely agree. So, you know, the story a year ago was like, oh, Brave has, you know, 5 million monthly active users, MAUs. It's like, yeah, it's good, but, you know, 5 million is not that much. Then we grow pretty much like a million users a month. Now we're at 16.7 million users. Right. And brands are like, oh, wow, that's, that's big enough. They, you know, they, that's, that's great. And, but then there's still that are like, oh, I want to like, you know, wait till you're 25 or 30 million users. But I, I will say a couple things. Uh, one thing is that, you know, if everything goes well, we will become a must buy on every media plan because when we are, you know, 5% or 10% of US users that are using the Brave browser and that CMO, you know, reads that article or, or whatever it is and, and then says to his team, wait a second we're not reaching five or 10% of the audience, yeah. you know, and, and, and like, why, ha why aren't we doing stuff with brave? Like, why aren't we engaging them? This is such a big part. And they're not seeing all the other, you know, digital ads that I was just explaining. Then that's when we become a must buy, but the brands that start now with us and really get the learning. Those are the ones that are going to have, you know, the best business outcomes because they're learning with us. They're able to help us kind of like, you know, put our product in the right direction, give us feedback, and they're going to get the benefit of it. I mean, like Gary Vaynerchuk, Gary V, he talks about this all the time. He talks mm -hmm. about back in the day, you know, Facebook and Instagram, like that was, you know, it was like unvalued media. You could get, your dollar could go so much further. And now that's changing. And that was a Facebook boycott. But you look at something like, you know, LinkedIn, and he'll be like, you can put out organic traffic on LinkedIn and it's getting, you know, hundreds or if not thousands of views. It's really hard to do that on, on Facebook today. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe, you know, TikTok would be something like that or Snapchat. And like, they all have their moment. And so I would put Brave in that moment of right now where, um, you know, our CPMs and our CPCs, our cost per clicks, like they're not as expensive as they will be down the road. And, mm -hmm. you know, a brand can get a very much high share of voice with us. In a year from now, you know, that's going to change. So, the, mm -hmm. yeah. And you get it. Yeah, of course. Uh, this is a good question from a user. Gabby Talks 13 would like to know, how do you make sure Brave ads are totally private? Taking into account that you must know certain interests or tastes of ours in order to apply advertising that really interests us. Thank you and very good work. Keep it up. Awesome. Thanks for that compliment. Uh, I think that this is one of the most uh, fun and interesting and ingenious parts of, of the pitch that we, that we give. Um, so let me just take a step back and explain how digital advertising works today. Today, and I'll use Jenny as the example. So today, you know, Jenny, you know, wakes up and she's home a lot and she wants to like remodel part of her kitchen or whatever. Mm -hmm. So she does a bunch of, you know, searches for a new dishwasher, a new sink, a new faucet or whatever it is. All the searches that she's doing and all the browsing that she's doing and all the buying that she, 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 she does basically goes up to the cloud. And, you know, Google sees that or if she asks a friend for an opinion, Facebook sees that, but just on the open web, um, you know, there's hundreds of ad tech companies that are seeing Jenny's in market for a new sink. Like let's serve her Kohler ads. And if that was search or, you know, that browsing was a little bit more private for whatever reason, you know, that's not really fair to you. And so what Brave does is we flip that on its head and how can basically what Jenny does is how can she do all of those searches and the browsing and the buying, but keeps it all private and just to her. So when you do all those things on, on the brave browser um, and you go to all these different, you know, websites, 
it all stays on the browser itself. And so that, that question of, uh, that, that we just got from that, that listener is, so how do you do the privacy respecting ads? Yeah. And so what we do is every hour or so, we take the ad catalog. And if we're running like 100 or 1,000 advertisers, it goes to all of the devices that have opted in to see ads, and the matching gets done on the device level. So in my example, let's say Kohler was one of our uh, ads. They would be one of the you know hundred in the ad catalog. They get pushed to Jenny's device. Mm-hmm. The, com- the on you know on the client, which means like uh, on the exact you know computer yeah. that Jenny is using. On the actual device, yeah. yeah, on the actual device exactly. It'll see that she had done those searches for those sinks or those faucets or whatever it is, and the matching gets done on the device, so it's not up in the cloud. And that's how she gets very very specific ads that are matched to her interests while still respecting your privacy. Yeah, great explanation. If you think about it, your browser knows far more about you than any third party who doesn't have access to your device and who is trying to gather up bits of your data in in just that, in bits and pieces, could ever know. Because your browser is the way that you touch the web. It's the the vehicle you use to interact with every site, every other app on the web. And of course, it keeps a record of what it knows. And that's your browser history. So what you wind up with is a more comprehensive, rich corpus of information on a user than you can get virtually anywhere else. That's exactly right. I mean, because think about when you're using the browser, you know, you're doing it to make the search, then you're doing it to hop around, then, you know, you're buying from Amazon or you're buying from Overstock or wherever you're buying from. It's just the browser itself, like your machine, uh, is seeing all of that. And so it can create this really, really rich history of what you're in market for. And even taking it to the next level, you can start creating purchase intent segments. So a purchase intent segment for you know, something in the crypto area, or it could be for a new car or a new TV. And it's like, okay, these are the 1 million or the 100,000 people that have literally been searching for or navigating to sites with new TVs within the past few hours. And so that's how it's, you know, very personalized uh, ads to that person, but again, still respecting their privacy. And so the proof is in the pudding. And so we have a ton of case studies where we show that, you know, the, the return on ad spend um, can be better than Facebook and can be better than Google. Um, you know, later on or now we can go into like, you know, specific examples of it. But mm-hmm. I always tell the advertiser, you know, take some money, test it yourself, see our performance, and you won't regret it. Yeah, that's right. The best thing to do is always to try it for yourself. So Donnie, can you talk a little bit about the different ad formats available in Brave Ads right now and the different purposes that each serves? And can you tell us, will there be any new ad formats available in the future? And if so, what are they? Sure, sure. So in marketing, you know, all the business books talk about the marketing funnel and there's the top of the funnel, the middle of the funnel and the lower funnel. So quick, you know, for anyone not in marketing. So the upper funnel is like your big brand awareness, just getting your name out there if you're a new company or even if you're existing company in year Ford and you have the new Bronco launch, like you need to create awareness of it. Uh, and then if you go just to skip to the lower funnel, the lower funnel is like your direct response. It's your um, ad units, almost like Google's SCM, search engine marketing, you know, the, the, the ad words that basically you search for something, it shows you an ad, it's exactly what you're in market for. We would call that more, Uh, lower funnel. Mm. And so we model that same thing here at Brave. Uh, And so we have a sponsored image unit 
which is some people in marketing call the homepage takeover. But basically when you hit a new tab on the browser, you'll see this beautiful image that either a brand gives us or we may say to a brand, hey, how about one of these five or, or 10 images? Which ones do you like? And then in the bottom left-hand corner, they put their logo and a little bit of a, of a tagline, mm -hmm. and then it clicks off to their website. And so that sponsored image is more top of the funnel. It's big brand awareness for that brand. And advertisers choose it based on the country. So they can buy the entire world, or they can buy just the US or the UK or Canada. And it goes to all users in that country, unless a user has shut off the sponsored images, which is available in the bottom right-hand corner of the browser if somebody didn't want to see the sponsored images. That's right. Opt into ads, you can get rewarded for your uh, attention, you know, and, and via bat, and it's like, you know, five to 10 bucks a month for, for, for seeing ads is, is usually the average. Mm -hmm. So the sponsored image unit, that homepage takeover tip unit, is, you know, the big top of the funnel unit. And kind of going down to the, the bottom of the funnel is our push notifications. So you opt in to the push notifications, and you can do anywhere from one an hour to five an hour of these push, and they're operating system push notifications, um, and they work on all devices, you know, Mac and, and uh, Android and iOS and, and PC, et cetera. Right. And, you know, I'm a Mac user, so on my Mac, it comes in the upper right-hand corner, um, and it's usually like after I start a new session or like move my mouse. So it's not going to be in the middle of reading an article. It's mm -hmm. when I navigate to a new place and I'm in the middle of doing two different things. Right. And so that unit is, is the, yeah, but yeah, it's not disruptive. And that unit is very much the story I was talking about how the ad matching works. So it doesn't go to everybody in the country. It only goes to people that are in market or have a purchase, you know, intent to buy specific items. So if you're really into crypto, you're going to see a lot of the, you know, BlockFi, Nexo, Crypto.com ads, or et cetera. But if you're in market for the TV, you may see the LG ads. Um, and so as we get more and more advertisers and more and more users, that data science, that machine learning will get better and, and better. Mm -hmm. So those are the two units. And then um, if you're watching Brave closely, we launched something called the trading widget. Um, and I think part of the question was like, what am I excited about most? And so we launched the trading widget with, with uh, first with Binance, now with Gemini. Um, we'll be adding more. And you start thinking about like, what else can the widget do? Can I listen to music from that? Could I buy a pizza? Could I, like the widget could be a lot of different things and it just shows up on the new tab page. And then, you know, maybe an area where like, you know, like users can choose. Like I like eToro, but I don't, you know, have affinity to some of these other ones. Like I just, yeah. I don't need that widget on my page. And so having that flexibility. So I think that's um, really cool as well. And then I'm not allowed to say yet, but keep very closely to Brave because we're launching um, a bunch of new products soon that will also have advertising ability to pe for people who opt in and, and want to get rewarded for their attention very, very shortly. And so I'm really excited about those, but um, I'm, I'm on strict orders not to share what that is quite yet. Got to keep it a secret until it's no longer a secret. Exactly. So you already touched on this a bit, but what are some of the tools that Brave offers to empower users to have more control over the relationship with advertisements they see in Brave? So like earlier, we established that all ad formats in Brave can be turned on or off, and also that ad matching is based on browser history and purchase intent signals. But apart from changing their browsing habits, is there any way for users to influence or choose the types of ads they get to receive or the frequency at which they receive them? 
when you're using the browser itself, um, on the upper right hand, like you know, uh, like right around about the toolbar, there is a triangle, and that's the basic attention token logo. And inside of that, there's something called rewards settings. Um, so this is where you would see like how much um, you know money is in, in your wallet. And if you click on the reward settings, and I'm doing this in, in real time, you'll see that there's a section called ads. And in there, you'll see your seven-day ad history. And you can thumbs up and thumbs down the specific ad. You can love or you know, dislike the specific category that the ad was in. So it gives you kind of more control, and that starts feeding into the, um, the algorithm or the, the model that basically says what ads right. are right for Jenny or, or for, for the users. Yeah. Um, and also in there, and I alluded to this, is you can say, I want to see one ad an hour or five ads an hour. If you want to get rewarded more ads, I, I have my settings on five ads an hour because I like the idea of seeing more you know, basic attention tokens in my uh, wallet and seeing how much Me that too. thing can grow and then tipping <laughs> publishers that, that, that I like. Um, so yeah. And then you, you, you said it again, like, uh, you know, if, if you don't want to see the sponsored images, you can turn those off and same with the widgets. So, you know, brave is a lot about giving users control exactly. when you're using Chrome, you don't have any control. I can't shut off an ad. I can't decide what type of ad units that I want to see or what categories are, or like brands, but we want to have, we want brands to have a better relationship with consumers. And to me, it all starts with that control from the consumer. I agree. Brave is all about empowerment. That's you know, one of our biggest mottos is putting the power back into the hands of the user. Every ad format we have available can be opted in or opted out of. Everything in Brave is a choice. Things might come on by default or off by default, but you can turn them off and on as you desire. It's all up to you. It's all about giving you the power and building better relationships between you and you know, the brands that present their offers to you. Very well said, Jenny. I'm going to start using some of your lines. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> so I see this often on Reddit, and that's why I want to ask it today. Many users are curious about the amount of that paid out to users per ad. We've seen individual ad rewards ranging from 0.01 to 0.05 bat. Can you explain how that's determined and why some ads may come with a little bit of a greater reward than others? In the basic attention token uh, white paper, um, there is a very fancy mathematical equation that explains that. Um, I wasn't here when the paper uh, was written, but basically there is a lot of math that goes into those payouts themselves. Um, so I hate saying it's above my pay grade to really explain that, but it, it is a, a bit above me on, on how that works. Um, I know that there is you know, a vision to offer more and more transparency um, maybe how much you know you made on specific ads or, or whatever it is, um, but yeah, that's that's there. There's a lot of math that goes into that, and then the second part is we there's 180 countries that Brave Rewards or Brave Ads are offered in today. Um, when I and my team, and there's seven of us uh, selling ads, when we sell to uh, advertisers, it's the same price. Uh, for all the different countries. So let's just say, for example, they were paying a $30, $30 CPM, which is a cost per thousand um, impressions or views, or a 30 cent CPC, which is 30 cents cost per click. We don't really say, oh, 
in the US, it's 30, but in the UK, it's five bucks or something like that. It's really the same across all, all countries. Mm. Um, you know, maybe one of the questions like, well, why don't I see as many ads in my country? Like I, I, I'm in you know, Nigeria or whatever, and I'm not seeing as many ads. Well, the advertisers themselves choose which countries they want to market in. And so if they don't have a presence in that specific country, they, they're going to choose not to sell those ads. So my team that's mostly based in the US is selling ads globally. Um, and it's really up to the advertiser to decide where those ads run. Um, yeah. As we get bigger and bigger, we'll run more ads in more countries. But you know, hopefully that answers the question. So, um, okay, can you talk a little bit about Brave's integrity reporting for advertisers? Earlier, we mentioned that Brave uses an anonymous but accountable attribution model to confirm event activity without exposing or identifying the user on the other end. So, can you go into a little more detail on how that works and how it benefits advertisers? Yeah. So in the same way that the browser sees that Jenny did that search for that, you know, in the sink for that faucet or whatever it is, it'll also see that somebody landed on what we call the thank you page. Um, so using that, I don't know why I chose Kohler, but using that Kohler example, if Kohler is an advertiser and they run uh, an ad with us, there's basically a confirmation that that happens. It says, okay, a user saw this ad or a user clicked on this ad. And that same exact user also saw the page. It says Kohler.com forward slash thank you forward slash brave. And then what we're doing um, is we're matching those. So how many people viewed or clicked and also saw that thank you page to report how many unique conversions actually happened. And that's part of what we're showing in the dashboard. Um, in the dashboard itself, there's, there's the views, there's the clicks. We also introduced a new metric that is not available in something like Google Analytics, which is a 10 second landing page. How many people click on the ad go to the landing page of the, of the website and spend 10 seconds or more there. And that's a great metric to say, did somebody like accidentally click and just bounce? Or did they click on the ad and spend some time there, like reading and engaging or watching a video or whatever it may be? Um, so that's a really good one. And then recently we, we added the conversions, which has been so helpful to have because now marketers can really measure business outcomes and not just things that infer that there may have been a business outcome. Now, while we're in this neck of the woods, I know you already spoke about this a little bit in the Future Proof Your Marketing webinar that you did recently, but we have a different audience over here on the Back Community Podcast, and I'm wondering if you wouldn't mind sharing a few positive advertiser experiences or success stories with us. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so there's a lot of them. So we have mm -hmm. a really strong uh, B2B marketer on our team. Her name is Shazmin. And what Shazmin does is, you know, the sales team tells Shaz the advertisers that are having success. Then Shaz sets up a one-on-one -on -one with that marketer, interviews them, kind of similar to like an interview that we're doing now, and says, you know, what did you see? Like, what, like, what were the business outcomes that you got? And we're going to update the website, and we're going to put all these case studies up there very, very shortly. But you take something like BlockFi, and, you know, the two quotes from them, which were great, is that their customer acquisition costs, which a lot of marketing people, marketing world called CAC, C-A-C, was 75% lower than some of the other mediums that they were running. And specifically to compare it to Google, they saw double, 2x more funded accounts than the money that they were spending with Google. 
Wow. Um, so, so that's just like a really, really, you know, powerful uh, statement to have. We have uh, an underwear company called Culprit. They started running with us and they 5X'd their sales. Now, they're, they're not the biggest brand in the world. So 5X off, off of a small amount, you could say, well, that's good. But still to show them a, a 5X uh, is good. You have eToro. Uh, which is an exchange that does stock and, and also crypto. And what's cool about eToro is that you can copy traders. So there's some really professional traders um, on there and you can say, oh, that trader looks great. I love his portfolio or her portfolio. I'm going to copy them for my own portfolio. Mm -hmm. And so they started running campaigns with us. They had a 13.8% click-through rate. Now, I come from the programmatic world, oh. and, and in, in the programmatic world, the average is 0.1%. That's 0.1% oh CTR, and we're seeing 13% CTR. Oh, my God. The other thing that's really cool about eToro is that they've been running the push notification, so that, that DR kind of direct response um, unit, as well as the sponsored image units in unison. And what they saw was if the push notifications are kind of always on for the whole, like, let's say 30 days or 90 days, mm -hmm. the days that they do the sponsored images, the homepage takeover, they were seeing, and they still see, a 230% increase oh. in the number of registrations when they add the sponsored image. So that's a really um, impactful one. And, you know, there's a couple more like, you know, Nexo did some philanthropic stuff and they raised $25,000 for Save the Children. Um, they saved 20% on, on their CAC, their customer acquisition costs. And I'll, and I'll end up with one, one more, which is really cool, which is Upland. Um, they're like a monopoly virtual uh, currency game. And they told us that not only was their CTR 15.8%, but the value of each user was 3x of oh. Facebook. So once they got a user and they started spending money on like their monopoly, that user would spend triple the amount when they got a very similar user on Facebook. Wow. It just works really well for advertisers. Because when you take out a lot of the fraud, when you have users that have opted in, or if they don't want to opt out of advertising, so you have this like audience that's raised their hands, when with the push notifications, when you do highly targeted advertising for people that are in market for things, like you put all of these things together, mm -hmm. it just ends up being a more efficient spend for the same dollars that they would spend with other, you know, advertising mediums out there. And what are some of the other brands or nonprofits that have worked with us through advertising that you've been really excited about? Yeah. So, you know, some of those examples were like crypto. So I'll talk about like non-crypto. So if you're a brave user, you've probably seen ads for Amazon recently. Mm -hmm. uh, we did a big push for Chipotle that was talking about uh, $1 delivery on their app. Um, hopefully we'll do a case study with them. Uh, you may have seen Verizon uh, running on both the push notifications and the sponsored images. Yeah. The Home Depot did a big campaign with us for Father's Day, specifically for connected home devices. Um, things like DTC brands, so direct-to-consumer brands, mm -hmm. uh, Purple Mattresses, Grammarly, vitamin companies like Nordic Naturals. Um, there's a couple other categories that are really seeing that we're a nice product market fit for their for the audience that they want to reach. And those two are specifically gaming. So there's Gala Games, Inno Games, War Gaming, Upland that I mentioned. Yeah. Um, our audience really likes to 
play, you know, as I would call it, video games, but more like online games or Xbox or whatever it is. And the other one is we have a very financial savvy audience because of like a little bit of the crypto. Right. So things like SD bullion, JM bullion, AppMex, which is one gold, like, you know, you know, gold is doing very well in the markets right now. And so, you know, why not, you know, people want to diversify their portfolio. They don't want to just, you know, buy, you know, crypto stocks and bonds. They want to buy some gold. And mm -hmm. so these gold advertisers are saying that, you know, we're a really great place for them to advertise too. Yeah, and the list of advertisers and brands of all varieties is really starting to grow. There are even a few notable ones that I don't think you mentioned that are coming to mind, like Khan Academy, Intel, Newegg, Western Digital, Kudo Mobile. Gosh, there are so many, and we're starting to build up quite the impressive roster, I think. Yeah, and, and if I may just give a quick shout-out, you know, I'm not sure. a one-man show. Um, <laughs> I have an amazing team. So in, in, in alphabetical order, like, you know, I have, you know, Aaron Schneider in the Southeast, and he's focused on a lot of these direct-to-consumer brands, the gaming companies, some of the crypto. We have Carlos Acevedo, who was one of the early one on, on and, and he just loves crypto. Um, he's a <laughs> teacher from the South Bronx, turned into a seller and just absolutely crushing it and doing so well. Um, we have Clayton Hartford, which was also one of our early sellers. You know, he's focusing on some of the biggest brands and agencies in New York, but also has you know the, the crypto kind of running through his blood and he's having success. I have Matt Montatus on the West Coast. He's one of the regional leads leading all sales on, on the West and on his team in Texas is Nikki, um, who came over recently and having good, great success too. And then the last two, I, I have Rich Rosenzweig, who's leading East Coast, is Matt's counterpart, and he's got a mix of crypto and focusing on agencies, and then Patrick Rice on his team, and he's bringing on a lot of great brands. So it's really this diversified sales team that has a lot of different relationships, a lot of different um, you know, strengths. And, and, and the two people that really wrap it all together nicely, I mentioned Chesmine with the case studies, uh, but there's also Colin Brooks. And Colin Brooks is our director of account management. Uh, very shortly, he'll be hiring more account managers because when you're running you know, hundreds of campaigns and, and, and the amount of volume that we're doing, um, you know, it just can't be done with one account manager. And I'll be remiss without saying, but there's also a great ad operations team too. Yeah. There's, there's you know, Steven and there's Dan Murphy and there's Luke that we've been talking about. So there's really like yeah. a nice rounded team that um, helps us bring on these new logos, these new companies, um, and then show them the, the success. Yeah, that was really kind of you to shout out your team. And, you know, it's good that you did because they are crushing it. I also like that you mentioned them all by name because our community doesn't necessarily know them all. So it's important sometimes to peel back the curtain and shine the spotlight on the folks who work so hard behind the scenes too. All right, Donnie, we have a few more user questions. Agnel Vishal wants to know, what is Brave doing to educate people on privacy technology? That's a great question. It is difficult to educate an entire ad industry about the better, the better way, the cleaner way, the more privacy way. Um, so you had mentioned a couple of times the advertising in a cookie-less world webinar. Mm -hmm. So we're going to kick off a webinar series because that was so successful. We had 55,000 people visit the registration page. Um, over 500 people uh, sign up for it. Like the numbers were great, better than anything I've ever seen for, for, for a webinar. Yeah, it was really good. So we're going to continue to do those. Um, we work you know, try to work closely with our 
trade publication counterparts. And what I, what I talk about is Adweek, AdAge, Media Post, Ad Exchanger, the list goes on. Um, and we try to like, you know, get into the trade publications as much as possible. Right now, a lot of crypto trade uh, picks us up, not as much as the ad trade, but that'll hopefully change. Um, we do a lot of reach out to advertisers to kind of, that's the hand to hand combat to educate them one-on-one -on -one about, you know, what we're doing. And that's, I would call that the sales call or the sales meeting to edu educate them. And, um, you know, we have a great, you know, PR team, Catherine core who, who leads that and, and really, you know, pushing out, um, a lot of, uh, blog posts and more articles that, that get out there. So we're doing as much as we can. We obviously have a very vocal CEO, Brendan Ike, who speaks yeah. at a lot of conferences. Yeah. Um, obviously conferences are harder in this COVID time, but there's a lot of virtual conferences that he's speaking on. There's podcasts that he's that he does. There's more stuff he puts on YouTube. I mean, what you're doing, Jenny, with this community podcast today yeah. is a great example of it. Um, so we're doing a lot. Of course, we can always do more, but sometimes more costs a lot of money. And we want to be efficient with our dollars and not just kind of go gangbusters. Yeah, we're doing, I think we're, we're doing a good job of educating the, um, the ecosystem, but always we're doing more. Okay, Agonizer would like to know, how will small local businesses be able to take advantage of Brave ads? Is there an option to target users based on their location? Good question. So we did just launch, and I'm happy to announce here, uh, state-level targeting. So that allows you to run just ads in California or um, you know, New York or whatever state um, that, that an advertiser wants to choose. Now, if it's a kind of as they call it, a mom and pop retail or something really small, maybe the state is too big, um, where you get into, you know, a horror with a privacy browser is you don't want to get to like, you know, the zip code level and that identify that could potentially identify consumers. So state level targeting is our first kind of foray into more granular targeting than just the country. Um, but I, I, I surmise that it will improve and we will get granular in a privacy respecting way over time. Um, the other thing that uh, we were talking about is launching, you know, a self-serve advertising platform, similar to the way you would buy Facebook or, or Google ads. Um, we just want to do it right. We want to be very careful with it. Uh, yeah. We want to make sure that we're educating marketers prop properly. And sometimes, you know, it takes a phone call or a meeting to properly educate um, marketers on the way that we're doing, you know, privacy respecting ads. And sometimes, you know, things, if you just have self-serve and just going at it, um, you know, they may, they may do that. So, um, yeah, so I think it's to answer the question, bottom line, it's going to take a little bit of time for a very, very small business to advertise. Um, we do like to keep the kind of initial first buys at $10,000 or, or more. Um, cause that's really going to give it the best foot forward to show impressions, to show conversions to the advertiser. And that may be out of the budget for, um, you know, a uh, small marketer. Yeah, that makes sense. And it's good to know that there will be more options available for smaller marketers in the future when we release the self-serve dashboard. Okay, this next one is a great question. And people love to ask this in AMAs and interviews that I've been a part of. This time, the question comes from a user with the username Regendary, and they would like to know, what does a day in your life at Brave look like? Good question. Um, so, I'm an early riser. I've always been my entire life. Um, I've been the guy at 
camp that would fall asleep before the raid and miss it just because I couldn't stay up late. And I've always just kind of woke up early. So I get up early and I work for like two hours. And uh, there's a guy, Darren Hardy, that, talk, that calls it jam sessions. So that's when I do like my really, really focused work, like from you know 6.30 to 8.30 in the morning. And I'll work on something like a budget or redoing the territories for the team or you know thinking about strategy of like who, what advertisers we want to go after and pursue. So it's just like no Slack, no emails, just like my quiet time to really focus on a specific important project. And then I uh, work out for you know 45 minutes or so. Then I quickly run upstairs and uh, maybe this is too much detail, but you know, shower, have breakfast, you know, say hello to the kids. I, I have three kids. And then like the Zoom calls just start. Um, and so the Zoom calls are a combination of you know, one-on-ones with the team, the, those you know, seven, eight, nine people that I was mentioning. Yeah. Um, there are meetings with you know, our, our executive team. There are meetings with the product team itself, giving feedback from the, from the advertisers to the product team, um, you know, additional you know, ma- management meetings. And I would say my biggest time during the day is the sales calls themselves. I like to be on a lot of the meetings. I love to be on the front line. Um, as you may or may not tell, I love selling. <laughs> so, but, I, but more importantly than selling, I love listening. So I like to ask really great questions and I love to think of myself as a consultative salesperson that asks the right questions and helps clients achieve their needs. Um, in my days usually go to about 6.30 p.m. when I run upstairs and there's a beautiful hot meal waiting for me and hang out <laughs> with the wife and the kids and then uh, you know, I try to stay offline for an hour or so and then you know I'll be checking in and out, you know, before or after bedtime. And then I wind myself up again for the next day. I love it. That sounds like a very well-balanced schedule. It sounds like you've figured it out. Thanks. Yeah. And I also like the early morning jam session or cram session. The jam session. The yes. jam session, the two-hour block. I'm also a big fan of Darren Hardy, the compound effect. Um, yes, but nice, yeah. I'm impressed. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> All right, just a few more questions here. Chandler Bong 12 would like to know, and this is a good one, have there been any unforeseen consequences or effects on Brave ads or digital advertising in general due to COVID-19? And if yes, then how is Brave dealing with them? Yeah, good question too. Um, so as COVID was starting to uh, come out, we saw a lot of mainstream advertisers pause. So we either got an insertion order, they were about to go live, or they were live, and they just said, "We just need to pause." Like this is, um, you know, this is this is a big thing that's going on right now, and not not as much as the cryptocurrency advertisers, but some of the crypto pause as well. Um, but then the crypto came back in full force as kind of, you know, Bitcoin read, uh, you know, wrote its way back from 3,500 to, you know, where it is in, in the 12s. Um, but then all of a sudden the mainstream advertisers, they started to come back too. But we didn't just wait. We said, all right, who's spending online now? So the gaming companies that I mentioned, you know, they're still spending because people are home more. The vitamin companies, the workout companies, like where you can like work out at home, like there's a lot of um, things that people were searching for and using during that time, and they were still spending. Those, those companies were still spending on advertisers. 
so we pivoted. Um, and so we did take one month that was like below where we were the previous month. Yeah. But since then, April, May, every month has been bigger than, than I, I can't report on specific numbers, but every month we've grown since then and we're really back off to the races. Yeah, that's terrific. So of course there were the negative unforeseen consequences of COVID, but luckily your team is nimble and was able to pivot in time and extract a lot of good from the situation too. So that's just great. Yes. Yes. That's awesome. Okay. My bad would like to know what is your plan and time frame for expanding into the global market? All right. So there's two parts of that. It's selling ads on the global market, which we're already doing today. So I mentioned 180 countries that you can buy brave ads in. Um, and you can go to the, you know, I think it's brave.com forward slash transparency. And you can see all the different markets where we're having uh, ads. Uh, as far as sellers or my team into the global market, um, there's still so much that we can do in the U S and from the U S and obviously I'm in here in the U S that it makes it easier to do. There have been a lot of people that have reached out to me over the past year that says, once you decide to have an office in Europe or expand into Europe, I would love to lead that or in Asia or, you know, wherever it is. And we will at some point. Um, but we don't need to yet. I'm happy to do, you know, Carlos and I do weekly 9.30 calls with Hong Kong or whatever, 9.30 PM. Yeah. Um, you know, we can do it from here for now. And because people aren't really traveling and going into offices like they used to, we can do a lot more from the phone. That's right. So, yeah. So um, it's going to be a little bit until we really expand seller-wise, but we will at some point. Wonderful. Energy Creator would like to know, do you think Brave will be able to fight back if elites want to control the internet and decentralized technologies? Well, aren't they already fighting back now? I mean... (laughs) 70% of all digital advertising is with three companies, and those three companies are Google, Facebook, and Amazon. There is already a centralization of uh, digital advertising and and, and marketing. And they're starting to wake up. They're starting to, you know, Google is removing the cookie, uh, the third-party cookie, because, you know, they... Consumers are saying we don't want to be tracked anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, Apple has things like you know IDFA, and, and they're really big on on privacy. But they're not really selling a lot of ads. Um, you know, Facebook. You know, there was a boycott, and Facebook will will need to change over time. So, all these and there was you know the hearings uh, on the, on the Senate floor. And the, you know, the, there's things going on in our industry where big tech is basically being asked to answer questions, not all specifically about advertising, but we are living in a time when things are changing. Yeah. And, you know, Brave is a way, is a showcase of how you can do things in a very pure, clean and, and privacy respecting ways. Now, will all, will all of them turn to the exact Brave model overnight? No. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but that gives us a good runway to, um, you know, show the advertisers specifically that there is a way there. You don't have to use, you know, Google analytics and, and track users uh, on everything that they're doing. There are other ways to do it. And there's plenty of startups basically showing marketers that, that as well. Great answer. All right. Last question. Legendary would like to know, given your experience and expertise, do you see potential in privacy adhering ads becoming the default slash mainstream model in the next decade? I hope so. <laughs> um, 
I mean, I think that yes, because there is regulation, something called um, after CCPA, there will be CPRA. Yeah. And what Dr. Johnny Ryan talks about is that has the possibility to make behavioral targeting as we see it today in programmatic ads, potentially illegal. Um, and so if that regulation happens and then it happens across the entire country and then it happens across the world, um, marketers will be forced to do privacy respecting ads and we will be leaps and bounds ahead of it because like if you go to brave.com and you visit our blog, there are posts called uh, about Themis, that's T-H-E-M-I-S, yeah. which talks about the vision of decentralized advertising and how you can basically really decentralize the entire uh, thing. So, you know, there's, there's web 1.0, 2.0, and 3.0 is the full decentralization. I would say we're somewhere around 2.5 right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're better than 2.0, but we're not quite at 3.0 yet. Um, so there will be a den- day over the next decade uh, that will happen. I don't have you know an hourglass. I, I mean, I, or, a, or a, a looking glass. Like I can't see exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. But all the signs is that consumers want privacy respecting ads. There's more regulation. Yeah. The, the world is changing right before our very eyes. So I, I don't see any reason why it won't be decentralized. Well said. Yeah, considerable strides are being made in the right direction. And of course, only time will tell, but let's keep up the momentum. All right, Donnie, so that's it for our community questions. Thank you so much, that was great. Um, and sending out a big thank you to our community members who submitted questions. I hope that we got around to most of them today and that Donnie was able to provide some of the answers you were looking for. Um, Donnie, is there anything that we didn't cover today that you'd like to share before we wrap? Well, number one, I want to thank you and the community. Uh, I haven't worked for a company that has so many raving fans that either promote Brave or talk about Brave or write about Brave. Um, so it's incredible. I'm in awe of it every day. And what you're doing, Jenny, with the community is absolutely amazing. Um, and, you know, how can somebody in sales not end with a request, a sales request? And so there's anybody listening to this um, that runs marketing, that runs advertising and digital ads and wants to give uh, Brave a, a, a test go. Um, I'm available at Donnie at brave.com. So that's D O N N Y at brave.com. I'm also relatively uh, active on LinkedIn, not so much Twitter. So if you want to just do a search for Donnie DeVoren on LinkedIn, you can find me there. I'm sure it'll be in the show notes or just simply visit brave.com and click on the advertiser section and you can um, fill out a little request. There's a little chatbot in the right-hand corner, a privacy respecting chatbot. And you can just put in like your email address and where you live and what you're interested in. And we will hook you up with a rep. So that's it. Excellent. I also want to recommend that people check out the webinar that you recently took part in and that we mentioned a few times over the course of this episode. It is titled Future Proof Your Marketing, Advertising in a Cookie-less World. And that was alongside Brendan Ike, who is the Batten Brave CEO, Johnny Ryan, who is our former chief of policy, and Amy Siegel from the Dentsu Aegis Network. That was more of a B2B type event. So if you're in the advertising or marketing industry, that one might really fascinate you. We will, of course, include a link to that in the description box here on YouTube and in the show notes. So Donnie, thank you so much for taking the time today. This was really awesome. Yeah, this was a lot of fun, Jenny. Thank you. 
Have a great weekend.